This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Got a great guest for you today on the first episode of Know Your Foe for this season for the Las Vegas Raiders, the expert Ted Wynn coming in. Ted, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Uh, great to have you. I'm uh, doing well, of course. I uh, want to talk about the, the Las Vegas Raiders then, of course, because I am going to make the mistake at least once in this in this conversation about the Oakland Raiders, I'm sure. But uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the offseason for the Raiders. Uh, what were the big moves for them? Yeah, I think the biggest move wasn't on the uh, personnel side. Side, I think just getting Gus Bradley um, was a, a huge move for this uh, this team because uh, they needed to make a defensive coordinator change. Um, Paul Gunther's defense was reportedly too complicated, you know, from what the players were saying. Uh, so they're going in the complete polar opposite direction. We're going with Gus Bradley. Not saying his defense is overly overly simple, but it's it's you know one of the more simpler. Uh, schemes as far as just running, um, you know, predominantly single high coverage. Um, and, and the philosophy behind it is just run simple stuff and let your players play fast. Um, so, you know, I think Bradley has made some changes to his defensive philosophy, which we will talk about more a little later um, since leaving the Legion of Boom and, um, and you know, progressing hit through uh, his, his time with the Chargers. As far as the personnel size, I think signing uh, Ngakwe um, is their biggest move. They, they desperately needed a pass rusher. Um, there are reports that they even tried to trade Khalil Mack back to the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Mm-hmm. But then they ended up signing Ngakwe instead, and I think that really is going to bolster the pass rush because that puts Max Crosby, um, who is a pretty good pass rusher, into the secondary um, pass rusher role, and Ngakwe is going to be that number one rusher. Uh, so, and they, they signed some defensive um, defensive tackles inside, like uh, uh, like uh, Philon and um, those guys that they think that that's going to bolster the the rush inside as well. Let me stop you for a second on the on the uh, rush linebacker position because that's one where where Cleveland Farrell was an enormous draft pick two years ago. hasn't had a terrible pressure rate. Have asthma had the great sacks that we expected out of him? Um, what are the thoughts about him this year? Well, I think you know he was overdrafted at the at the number four spot. I think most people had a late first round to second round grade on him, so a lot of people were very surprised when he was taken in a top five. And some of the reasons why he was seen as a late first round, second round guy was just, you know, he didn't look like he had a super high ceiling because uh, he was limited athletically. He just didn't have the explosion and bend that you want from those explosive pass rushers. And since he's been in the league, he's been a very, you know, a a good starter. Uh, He's been almost borderline elite against a run. Uh, And like you said, he, he has a good pressure rate, but he just has not been able to finish for those sacks. And, um, I think he's a good player, but I think, um, well, right now the plan is for him to come off the bench. Uh, I thought that there might be a chance he would start at big end because in uh, Bradley's system is kind of a, you know, a lot of people think it's just a 4-3, but it's kind of a 4-3, hybrid. And uh, Farrell would have played that big end and played some 4-I at times. Uh, mm-hmm. But what they they end up doing, they're, they're putting out Ngakwe and Crosby out. Uh, as starters, so they're going to sacrifice some run defense to get athleticism and, and pass rush um, on the field as much as possible. So Farrell will be de- will be part of the game plan for sure. I think against the Ravens, he'll he'll play a lot because um, obviously the Ravens are a run heavy team and they need that um, that some some bulk in the middle or on the that edges. That was a was a complaint of Ngakwe in Baltimore was that he never got his pass rush mojo going because they really wanted to use him as a pass rush specialist. From what I saw, he wasn't really big enough to play the run. Uh, you know, last year anyway. I don't know if he's put on weight or what he might have done to to try and bulk up. Uh, what have you seen in camp? So he has bulked up. He he has bulked up, and he says that he feels good at, at this weight, and he's still able to uh, be quick off the ball and and use some of his moves uh, even with the added weight. Um, so you know, I, I I really don't. I can't fathom seeing him just all of a sudden making these huge improvements against the run and then becoming uh, a very good run, run defender. But uh, just hopefully with uh, at his size, he could be um, a league average against the run, or maybe they'll do some things to kind of um, mitigate, you know, mitigate those um, deficiencies against the run. Um, but it, it looks like right now he's going to be playing the big end position against tight ends. And, um, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a wait and see game to see if he, he's going to be able to handle um, that kind of uh, responsibility. Uh, but what I think we're going to see against Baltimore is he gonna, he's going to play a lot more weak side end, and we're going to see uh, Farrell play some strong side. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the um, the Raiders come out in more three four fronts where Ngakwe could play, you know, as an outside linebacker with the four eye protecting him. Yeah, there you go. He he loves definitely loves to line up wide. Nine or seven is just where he's where he's really at home. Really a nine more than a seven. Uh, let's talk about injuries coming into the season for the Raiders. What's uh, what's the current status? I know I always keep very close track of Ravens camp, but not always good track of other other teams camps. Yeah, everyone seems to be healthy um, except for Richie Incognito, who is the Raiders' starting left guard, and that's uh, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, because when he was healthy and at his best in 2019, he was legitimately one of the best guards in the league, even at his his age. So um, that's a concern. He hasn't practiced yet. The 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 coaching staff seems like they aren't too concerned about it, and he, he's still on track to play on Monday night. Um, but he was not at practice today. And um, also Nicholas Morrow, who had a breakout season at linebacker last year. Uh, was hurt during the preseason, so he'll be out in the beginning um, portion of the season. But they did just sign KJ Wright, who um, obviously is a, a great fit in this Bradley system, and um, they also signed um, Denzel Perriman, who played for Bradley uh, with the Chargers. So those are two guys that are stout against the run that uh, should get some playing time against them. 
All right. Interesting sign of KJ Wright. Definitely some Baltimore people were interested in getting him here. Uh, let's talk long run cap situation for the Raiders now. Uh, are they in fairly good shape? Are they in where are they on the curve of uh, riding the cap to to contention? Yeah, I'm not a, a cap expert, uh, but I do know that they um, the, the reason why they didn't sign KJ Wright uh, a little sooner was because they didn't have the cap space to sign him. So they uh, they made some moves. They restructured Ngakwe's contract. They restructured uh, Kowalski's contra- contract. He's another Raider linebacker. And they're able to free up just enough space to sign um, KJ Wright. So I know this year they're, they were up against the uh, the cap, but it does help that Derek Carr uh, has a very team-friendly contract, especially with all the huge contracts coming out now. But he will probably need an extension uh, uh, soon. Okay. All right. So that's one of the questions about Mayock is whether or not you, you certainly hired as a draft guy. Maybe give us your thoughts about Mike Mayock as the GM. How's he how's he performed? Um, so far, you know, the, the draft that he has been involved with hasn't really panned out. But um, a lot of those picks were defensive picks. And some people believe that uh, th- those players will play better under um, Gus Bradley and in this more simple cover three system. So we'll see how that plays out. I, I think that, uh, you know, I-, I thought overall in the beginning that Mayock did have a positive influence on Gruden because I thought Gruden uh, made some really impulsive moves early in his mm-hmm. tenure. And I thought that Mayock kind of um, might have influenced him to calm calm down and rethink some things before making those moves. But it's hard to say what decisions were John Gruden's decisions and what decisions were uh, Mayock decisions, but you know ultimately Mayock is going to be uh, the scapegoat at the end of the day if things don't work out because Gruden's the one with the ten-year contract and uh, Mayock is you know the uh, the first-time GM. So is this? Would you describe this as a strong head coach system where they really brought in a GM to support the head coach's vision for the franchise? Then this is unusual. Maybe maybe Belichick and some other places it occurs, but uh, it's 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 kind of unusual. But Pat Kerwin has often said that he'd like if he ever would work again as a GM, he'd like to work in that under that kind of a system. Yeah, it's definitely. Um... Gruden has full power and he has, you know, at the end of the day, he has, um, uh, he, he, he's going to, you know, be able to veto decisions. He, he has the final say in all these decisions, uh, even though, you know, he, in the media, he'll kind of like throw out these little pepper and these little quotes, like, you know, Mayock is in charge of the final thing, but he, he has final say for sure. <laughs> okay. Very interesting. Okay. So let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. And I, of course we start with Derek Carr, uh, tell us where he is in his career right now. What do we expect from Derek Carr as a quarterback on, on Monday and and uh, for the rest of his career, for that matter? Yeah, I, you know, Raven fans probably remember Derek Carr having a couple of really good performances against him early in his career. Um, and, you know, after that 2016, every, you know, everybody thought he was going to take off, but he had that terrible injury at the end of 2016, breaking his leg. And uh, it, it took him a while to come back from that. He was a little skittish in a pocket. It looked like he uh, was afraid when things were kind of compressing on him. And, and it took him a little while to get over that. And I think uh, the last couple of years under, under Gruden, and, you know, you can criticize Gruden for a lot of things, but I do think that he's had a positive influence on, on um, Carr's career. Um, Carr has been stronger in the pocket. He's made more aggressive decisions. Last year was his best uh, year as far as throwing deep passes and being aggressive and, and making and being accurate with those deep passes too. Um, and, and he's gotten better playing outside of structure. Um, that's one thing that I don't think Carr will, you know, you'll never really confuse Carr with a quarterback to, that plays out of structure and make plays like Patrick Mahomes and those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's gotten better doing that under Gruden's tenure and they made it, he made it a, a point to um, help Carr in that regard. So um, yeah, I, th- I think Carr, Carr is always going to be in that top, you know, fringe top 10, kind of that 11, um, 14 range. Um, and, you know, he just, I don't think he's a quarterback that's going to play well enough to overcome a defense that's continually ranked, you know, 25th to 32nd, um, which is what the Raiders have, um, have, you know, that's the type of defense they fielded for, for years now. So I think, with a better defense, Carr can get this team to the playoffs. 
Okay, so I want to go back to a point you made because it's very interesting to me. The the uh, what I call the Star Wars trash compactor pressure, which is by the way showing my age. I'm 58. You're you're much younger, clearly, Ted. I don't know how old, but uh, <laughs> I, I, in 1977 that that movie came out, and one of the scenes, of course, they're in the they're in the trash compactor, and it's very slowly closing in on them. And I I see a lot of of uh, very mobile quarterbacks in particular have a lot of trouble with that kind of pressure. I, even though I know Carr is not the same player he used to be, I still think of him as kind of a mobile quarterback, live on the run, roll out to the right and be effective. Um, it, it, it seems to be that kind of quarterback is more bothered by that kind of pressure. Definitely Deshaun Watson, who had a seven sack game against the Ravens, uh, has seemed to be more bothered by it. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, he, he, will rush decisions when the the pocket compresses and there's times where he won't step up. But like I said, we've seen steady improvement in that regard um, in the last couple of years. And, and that's something that him and Gruden's definitely uh, have worked on. And I think just as t- more times passes through that gruesome injury, uh, you know, he's going to get a little more comfortable. So he, he's made progress the last couple of years. Uh, we'll see if he could, you know, take another step uh, this season with this third year under Gruden. Okay, so you you started talking about the offensive line in terms of incognito, but let's go from left to right, every position. Tell us kind of the state of the offensive line coming into this game. Okay, uh, Colton Miller is, um, you know, he was seen as a developmental draft pick, and his rookie year was pretty much a disaster. Uh, but, he, you know, one thing that uh, a positive from his rookie year was that he played through a really bad injury that a lot of people would have been sidelined. Um, they would have been sidelined with that sort of injury, but he, he finished his, his rookie year, uh, made a lot of improvements his, his second year. And in his third year, you know, so he's a borderline uh, Pro Bowl player. And, you know, they rewarded him with a huge extension this offseason. Uh, I think he's one of the better left tackles in the league as far as, as pass protected, protection. So credit to him. He, he's made a lot of development in, in his game. Uh, he's not he's not a mauler like the um, you know the prototypical Raider lineman you think about, uh, but he's extremely athletic and he's a great position blocker. Um, so you know the left tackle position is pretty solid. Um, as far as the left guard, um, Incognito is hurt. Um, I think he's on track to play Monday, but it's a little bit concerning that he he didn't practice today. Uh, if he doesn't play, then John Simpson. Uh, who was a rookie last year out of Clemson will play. Um, he, he's, he's, he's good on a run, but he really struggled in pass protection um, last season. But the Raiders like the improvements that he made um, in, a, in the offseason under Tom Cable, uh, but very unproven if he has to start. Um, so uh, that's a big question mark. And at center, they let um, let me let me go back to the left guard for a second, because I always look for for, you know, from the perspective of Martindale looking at that weakest lineman. How is his lateral movement and ability to pass off blockers? Have you seen good ability for that in the preseason so far from Simpson? Yeah, I think, you know, it's not a lateral movement isn't a strength per se, but I don't think it's a problem. I think uh, a lot of his problems were technical um, last season and uh, he didn't play a ton in the preseason. The Raiders just did not play a lot of their starters um, or, you know, uh, big rotation guys in the preseason. So um, it, it was hard to really get a tell a, a tell of where he is now. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, I, I, you know, it's a question mark right now. Uh, I just don't, I don't know where he's at without being at, at training camp every single day. Okay. So I'm interrupting you time after time, but go ahead with the center position then. Yeah. So, so they, they let go of, uh, well, they traded Rodney Hudson. Um, at, at they initially they cut him and then somehow they, you know, a couple of days later we find out he was, he was traded to, uh, Arizona. And, um, yeah, I think Rodney Hudson asked, they, I think what happened was they asked him to restructure his contract. Um, uh, but there, he was already a little unhappy with the Raiders and how things have been going. So he asked for a trade. They traded him to, um, Arizona and, um, they really believe in Andre James, who they've been developing for a couple of years now. Andre James is a converted tackle. Uh, he he barely has any snaps at, um, playing in the NFL uh, regular season, uh, so he's very inexperienced. But you know, when you're losing a guy like Rodney Hudson, who was just lights out with protection and, and adjusting and seeing blitzes and and communicating, um, it, it's a, it's a tough loss, especially against a team like the Ravens, who's going to force you to communicate and to be 
uh, to, to know, you know, know your blitzes and know where the pressure is coming from and, and help out car in that regard. Uh, so that's going to be a, a big question mark as well. I just know the team is very high on Andre James. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but, you know, fortunately for the Raiders, Carr is one of the more intelligent quarterbacks when it comes to protections. And, um, you know, I think he'll be able to handle that on his own uh, without Hudson. But it, it always does help to have that veteran voice there. All right. Definitely. A, uh, you're, you're exactly right. The Ravens mostly a scheme pass rush team, of course, not a group of real high end uh, elite pass rushers. They get it done with with confusion. They get it done with uh, deception in terms of uh, a lot of simulated pressure, a lot of drops from the line of scrimmage in terms of the outside linebackers. And I'm sure we'll see a lot of that, a lot of stunting, frankly, from this group, much more than we've seen in years from the Ravens. So uh, that's why it has to be the lateral movement question. So we're up to right guard, I guess, now. Yeah, so right guard is Denzel Good. Um, last year, their starting right guard was Gabe Jackson. Um, they traded him to the Seahawks. Uh, so they wanted to get younger, and, and Denzel Good is a pretty good guard. I, I don't know if he's that elite level that um, that Jackson was capable of playing at, but he's been uh, a solid player for the Raiders. He has a lot of versatility. He can play tackle as well. Um, and I think he, he's pretty athletic and he can move, uh, move people, just not, uh, at the same level as, as Jackson and, as, you know, the right tackle is going to be the rookie that they picked in the first round who a lot of people thought, um, was a reach and I am blanking on his name right now for some reason. Sorry. They pulled up real quick. It happens to me all the time at my age, so I can I can definitely <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get it for you right now if you need me. Oh, to. Alex Leatherwood, yeah, Alex Leatherwood. Oh, okay, I liked um, him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did, yeah, I did a, a ton of draft work on him, so I cannot believe mm-hmm. I for, for I just blanked on his name right now. But uh, yeah, Alex Leatherwood was seen as you know a, a second round pick by a lot of mm-hmm. the uh, draft experts, but uh, it, it seemed like internally there was a lot more love for Alex Leatherwood. Um, than uh, externally in the media. So, um, yeah, he, you know, the, he, there was some technical problems that Leatherwood had to that had, had in college that um, mm-hmm. I think Cable really helped fix. It looked like it was his hand usage, hand usage was much more improved in the preseason. Now, he was a player, when I looked at him, I had him as my number two offensive tackle coming into this draft, so I really liked him a lot. But one of the things about the offensive tackles, as I'm sure you know in this draft, is they're all a bunch of Tyrannosauruses in terms of having short arms. Mm-hmm. A lot of them had some problems, I think, covering up some arm-length issues with multiple measurements and whatnot. That was the, that was the thought on Tevin Jenkins and some other people. Leatherwood, I cannot recall if he was one of those guys or not, because I think he's up there in the acceptable range, like maybe 33 and 7 eighths to 34 inches. But but just a, kind of on the margin of it, and that he might have done it with multiple measurements. Do you recall? Uh, I I don't recall his arm length being an issue. So, uh, but I also don't remember him having freaky long arms as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, his arms is thirty three and seventy. Yep, that's that's kind of what I recall. But I, I I I know there was there were there were claims that they weren't that long. The Ravens, by the way, I'm I'm really considered kind of an arm length Nazi among draft people. But uh, the Ravens have a have a history of all, always drafting longer armed offensive tackles and being mm-hmm. very forgiving in terms of shorter armed interior linemen. It's a very sharp distinction there. But it means you don't have swing players. You don't have a lot of guard tackles who, who play for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but you know, you studied Leatherwood, and you know there was some uh, concern over him uh, over you know over relying on that inside arm. And um, I, I talked to Duke Mannyweather, who's you know a very respected offensive line expert about it, and, and they you know they worked on some of that stuff in training. He he cross trained Leatherwood as a left and right tackle because you know there was um, some buzz that you know, he he would move to right tackle for some teams. Um, so. Um, yeah, and he, you know he's going to be a right tackle for the Raiders, and so far he, he's looked pretty good. Uh, but I haven't seen him go go up against any elite uh, pass rushers yet, so um, we'll see. But so far, the Raiders really like what they they've seen from Alex Leatherwood. All right, very cool. That's a great synopsis on the offensive line. Let's move on. Talk about the wide receiver course. A ton of speed. A lot of people saw it in the Jets game last year. Of course, that mm-hmm. the touchdown to Rugs, right? It was. I think yep. to win the game. Uh, tell us about the group in general. 
the, the group is very young. So last year, um, Carr built a real, really nice rapport with Nelson Aguilar, uh, who had a thousand yard season, but he left in free agency to the New England Patriots. And um, the Raiders seem like they're very confident in their second year wide receivers to take the next step. Uh, Henry Ruggs was the first receiver taken in a, in a loaded wide receiver class last year, and he didn't really live up to his draft billing. Uh, he, he wasn't very productive. Um, he struggled uh, against press coverage. He struggled with uh, physical coverage. Um, so he, this year he's added some size, and um, obviously going against the Ravens, he's going he's to see a lot of press coverage, and he's going to have to uh, be able to get off that press. And, and in order to use his speed, last year his speed was negated because you know, he just couldn't get off press. Um, but the Raiders seem pretty confident that um, he, he's going to be able to take the next step. They even um, released John Brown, who they signed in, in the offseason to kind of replace Nelson Aguilar's veteran presence. Uh, Brian Edwards is a fourth-round rookie that a lot of people ha- had a really high grade on. It's just injuries were a concern, and he was injured last year. So, um, But if he's on the field, uh, it's reportedly he, he's built a, a pretty uh, good chemistry with Derek Carr in, in the – um, in training camp and in an off season, he's the exact type of receiver that Carr really likes a physical receiver that is tough at the catch point uh, runs really crisp route for a receiver his size. Um, but right now the starting receivers sort of Raiders just don't have much production. So a lot of it is, um, you know, we're projecting a lot here, uh, but they, 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 they had, they were guys I liked in the draft. They were guys, a lot of people liked in the draft. They just have to uh, take that next step. Okay. Now you, you just mentioned something really interesting that takes me back a few years, but about Carr liking big physical receivers at the catch point and whatnot. But Michael Crabtree's last couple of years in in uh, Oakland, I guess at that time, uh, he really was exactly Carr's bailout plan. I really noticed this mm-hmm. when I did a, a uh, you know piece on him when the when the Ravens acquired him that hey he had a lot of contested catch opportunities that was kind of holding down his catch rate, and the reason seemed to be that Carr you know the pocket you know, extends or the play extends a little bit and his bailout play was go to Crabtree in single coverage. Yeah. And Carr hasn't had that type of receiver since Crabtree left. Um, so, you know, there, I think the Raiders are hoping that Edwards could provide that presence for Carr and allow him to trust, um, to trust his receivers and throw the ball downfield a little bit more. Uh, so Edwards definitely has the, the size and speed for it, uh, but he's going to have to stay in the field and, and be healthy. All right. Uh, Hunter Renfro, you didn't mention him. Slot receiver, somewhat yep. dangerous from two years ago. I had a good uh, year last year, right? Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to mention him next. He is a um, really shifty slot receiver, uh, extremely reliable, knows how to find those open spaces in the defense. Him and Carr have uh, a lot of trust in each other. Uh, you know, he's not going to – and yeah, he has more big playability than I thought he was going to have out of Clemson. Uh, so, yeah, you know, he's not going to – challenge for 1200 yards or anything but you know i i think he's a receiver that's gonna get around six eight hundred yards a, um a season and um but I, the main thing is he's really good at converting third down so that's a that's a guy that car looks for uh on third down especially um you know third and medium third and short okay so i, I i'm guessing i know the answer is probably darren waller now but if it's not is, is there another receiver that car looks for uh, on extended plays, is, is is Renfro a guy who comes back for the football well, or maybe somebody else? Yeah, no, I, I think Renfro is a guy that knows how to find those open spaces. So when you know you're in that scramble drill, uh, he 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 knows where to break, and you know he knows when to break. And I think um, him and Carr just have that trust with each other right now that you know if if he if Carr does break the pocket, he knows to look for Renfro. All right. All right. Outstanding stuff here. Uh, maybe we move on to running back if we're done at receiver. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, Darren Wall is, you know, obviously the, the Raiders number one receiver. He's just a nightmare matchup. Uh, uh, yeah. Nightmare matchup for, for any team. Um, and yeah, if we're moving on to running backs, um, Josh Jacobs, I think is one of the better um, young running backs in the league. That's kind of borderline elite. The only problem is he has dealt with injuries. Uh, he's played through some of them, but he missed the game. Um, his rookie year, he missed a few games um, last season, um, but his his, bro- his broken tackle rate is among the highest in the league for any position, um, and he has elite vision, I, I think, uh, and he's 
get, you know, out of coming out of Alabama, he had a lot of promise as a, a receiving back uh, coming out of the backfield. Uh, but the Raiders haven't given him a ton of targets. He did improve that last season. I think he had 300 yards um, receiving. Um, but he, I think he could be, you know, even a, a bigger p- a part of the passing game. So I really think Josh Jacobs is a borderline elite running back that uh, just needs to stay in the field. Okay, yards per target were a little low last year at five point three, which is one of the things I always look for in a running back. Mm-hmm. Any any concern there, or is it is that a function of accuracy, function of the type of passes he was getting, checkdowns as opposed to first calls? Yeah, I think that's the thing. They, he did, it didn't give him a ton of design plays where he was the first or second read. He was more he was getting the ball more as a, as a checkdown. Uh, but w- when he did get those plays where he was the first second read, you know, he was able to make some big plays. So. Uh, I would like to see that be a bigger part of the offense. All right. Sorry to make you run around circles a little bit here. I had the tight ends kind of out of order on my list here in terms of Waller. Um, You know, obviously the the Ravens face all kinds of very difficult tight ends in the first four weeks of the season with Kelsey in week two and then Hockenstein of of Detroit. And, you know, it's a it's a it's a murderer's row of tight ends for them. They're really going to have to show up in terms of how they put a big body on them or what they decide to do. But I don't think it'll work to put a linebacker on Darren Waller. Would I be correct from yeah, doing that? Darren Waller runs like a receiver. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you put a linebacker on him, he, he's toast. So um, it, it's uh, yeah. Waller is just that kind of um, kind of wide receiver tight end hybrid that I don't think you can cover with a, a linebacker. I think you have to you know put a safety on him or, or uh, double cover him, but, the Raiders have a ton of plays designed for him that he's great on choice routes. Um, yeah, he's great on choice routes. And and then Gruden has a ton of plays that um, are complimentary if teams try to overplay that choice route. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons he's so productive. Um, but the Ra- I think the Raiders have one of the best, I think they have the best uh, tight end duo in, in the league. You know, just looking, I was looking through rosters and there just aren't a lot of teams that have two, good tight ends. Um, and if you're Foster Moreau, I think is, uh, is going to have a breakout season. Uh, he played well his rookie year. Uh, but as we all know, it's hard to be productive as a rookie tight end. Uh, and unfortunately he tore his ACL late in his rookie year and he was never quite himself in 2020. Um, but I, I think he's healthy now and he's a really good blocker runs nice routes, big red zone target, um, and I think he's going to have a breakout year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, get five, 600 yards as a, as a tight end. And that's pretty good. You know, when you are, um, second to Darren Waller. Um, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, I, I really like what the, um, the Raiders have in the, that combination. Uh, so I think the rate, we're going to see a lot of, uh, 12 personnel with the Raiders this year. I was going to ask you that. That's one of my next questions. Monroe, almost always an inline guy with Waller split as they run them now, as they line up now. Yeah, you're you know you're going to see Moreau um, in line, or you, you see both of it in line at times. Um, I think you'll see a lot of YY formations as well. Um, but yeah, I, I you know just looking through the list of of two tight ends in the league, um, you know the Patriots have a good duo with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, but Smith is a little limited with what he can do as just a pure receiver. Uh, so I, I, I like what the Raiders can do with those two guys. All right. So this should be really interesting because the Ravens have a ton of, of uh, matchup ability in their secondary, more than they've ever had entering a season. Mm-hmm. And uh, and how they choose to deal with that, whether it's Jimmy Smith, if he's available even on Monday night, probably will not be, uh, would be my guess. Or whether they put the new guy, the third round draft pick, Brandon Stevens, who's been terrific in camp and, and preseason, uh, might be the guy they put on Waller. It'd be interesting to see how they'll try and line up against him. Uh, so mostly 12 as opposed to 21 personnel. How often do they have a fullback on the field? Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they are probably one of the higher 20. Uh, they use 21 personnel more than probably in the top seven or eight. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't use 21 personnel as much as um, the Niners or, or the Patriots, I don't believe. But uh, they have one of the, the better fullbacks in the league and Alec Ingold, who's just a, a mauler in a run game. And has some pass catching ability as well. Um, so um, you know, I, I think the Ravens will have to be have to prepare for twenty one personnel. But at the same time, I don't know if the Raiders want to invite the Ravens to just load up the box because of you know their uh, tendency to blitz, and you don't want to get all those guys close in line of scrimmage when you have a team that blitzes that much. 
So, you know, I don't know, unless the Raiders think they have a real physical advantage against the Ravens defensive line, I don't think um, they'll use a ton of 21 personnel against them. Okay. So the Ravens had a lot of problems with 12 over the last uh, couple of years. And in particular with the, with the Chiefs and the Steelers as well, they don't, don't use it for 12, but uh, they use a lot of bunch formations. And they, they release from the line of scrimmage and, and give the Ravens a ton of trouble. It really exposes the Ravens' enormous issues with coverage inside linebackers, which is, is the team's biggest weakness, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, so the Raiders do use a ton of bunch. They love compressed formations. So I think we'll see a lot of 12, uh, 12 formations where they kind of mix up those type of condensed formations to create um, some, you know, to try to create some miscommunication because they play so much man coverage. All right. All right. Terrible year from Patrick Queen. He's the guy who really needs to take a step up for the Ravens uh, in coverage last year. Just was really got exposed on national TV against against the uh, uh, Kansas City, but uh, but really did not play well the entire year in, in, in that regard. So we're hoping he takes a big step forward with with Rob Ryan. But it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. Let's uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. And always the, the thing I like to start with before we go into the individual player and position groups is what is the, the Raiders' way to line up in past situations, their favorite way? Meaning, are they committed nickel? Do they play more dime? What, are they, what is their favorite uh, way to line up against the pass? Uh, well, well, in the past, Bradley has done um, – he, he's done, a, uh, he's done a, a bunch of different things. Obviously, um, you know, nickel is going to be the, the, ma- the main package, the personnel package they use. Uh, but I remember there was a year where the, the Chargers did um, have a bunch of injuries and – um, they're playing safeties at linebacker. So they're playing dime and, you know, there, there were times when they didn't even have a linebacker on the field, uh, but that might've been more due to injuries. And we remember famously, you know, against the Ravens in that wild card game mm-hmm. uh, in Lamar's rookie year, where they were playing a lot of uh, safeties at linebacker to kind of counter that s- uh, speed that the Ravens have uh, with Jackson on the field. Um, so I think we'll see a lot, a lot of nickel. Um, yeah. I, you know, just, Against the Ravens, I, I you know I can't imagine them um, playing too much dime. Okay, it's it is. I'd say that a lot of teams do go to it and 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 want fewer linebackers on the field. Linebackers, uh, you know, have are more likely to have a problem in terms of running mm-hmm. themselves out of position quickly. Uh, tell me, uh, okay, why don't we start on the defensive line then? In terms of uh, to just take us across from left to right and how they look. Um, yeah. So the starting defensive line, uh, we talked about Gakwe. He's going to be the big end. And, you know, if he's playing big end against the Ravens, um, you know, th- there's probably going to be somebody playing inside of him a- a- as a four eye. So, mm-hmm. um, but if we're just talking about the starting four defensive linemen, um, Jonathan Hankins, who is their kind of their, their nose tackle. Uh, he's the best run defending uh defensive tackle they have um so you know he's gonna be starting in the on those first second down situations um and Darius Phylon uh I believe he's the starting one tech for them and he's you know he's gotten some nice pass rush in the preseason uh so I have high hopes for him uh it, it could be Quentin Jefferson starting um is that are they showing that on our labs who, who ended up being the starter there opposite of Hankins I'm sorry, I'm not looking at that right now. Okay. Um, no, I'll I, pull that I up. Yeah, so it's Quentin Jefferson who has experience playing for um who has experience playing for Bradley uh before. Um and you know, th- th- they're hoping they they get some pass rush from him. Uh and at Leo, the weak side end, Max Crosby will, will be starting as well. Um a potential X factor could be Gerald McCoy who the Raiders signed late. He's dealt with a major injury last year, so he's coming back from that. Uh, but they liked what he saw. They saw from him uh, when they worked him out, and he actually had a pretty good game against the Niners in um, Week Three of the preseason. So, uh, if he could offer some pass rush with some juice, um, you know, he, he could be uh, X factor on the defensive line. All right, McCoy, a well-known name here. The, the Ravens have, I think, maybe more than once ta- considered acquiring him for that extra bump in terms of internal pass rush where they never seem to have much going on. 
in terms of uh, Crosby, I'm seeing plays about 85% of the snaps uh, defensively. So he's certainly an iron man. Do they rely on rotation in this group on the, on the internal guys? That's a common four, three flaw is that they overplay your two into you overplay your two interior players. Yeah, I think the plan for them is to um, have a strong rotation going. They signed a lot of new defensive linemen and they want to rotate these guys and, and keep them fresh. And, uh, you know, we know Farrell is going to be in the rotation. Um, and also Solomon Thomas, who, um, you know, was a bust. He, he was drafted really high as well, but uh, he, he was a kind of a bust with the Niners. Um, but they're hoping that he could revitalize his career playing a little bit more on the inside rather than um, the outside where he was drafted. All right. Um, wonderful. Anything else about the defensive line you want to talk about before we move on? Um, Carl Nassib is their, um, their third pass rusher and he, he's had a pretty good off season as well. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see him spell Crosby and Ngakwe, um, but other than that, I think that pretty that pretty much covers the uh, defensive line rotation. Okay, so Farrell would be a guy then would be inside on a on a pass rush situation, or just not playing as many snaps as I'm projecting him for. Is yeah, he he's going to be playing inside. He, he's going to be an inside pass rusher on uh, in pass rush situations. Okay, all right, terrific. That that explains that. So. Uh, Let's keep going here. Uh, talk about positional groups move to the linebacker level at this point. You say fairly much a committed nickel team? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think um, Nate Hobbs, who um, they drafted in the fifth round last year, won the nickel spot. He's a rookie, and he had a really good uh, preseason and solidified himself as a starter there. Uh, but, you know, he, he hasn't played in a regular season game yet, so – We'll see what we get out, get out of him. But um, so far in the preseason, he, he looks like a real playmaker in this scheme. I'm sorry, I was asking about the linebackers. And that's what oh, committed sorry. nickel <laughs> means to me. You know, you play two inside linebackers as opposed to three linebackers yeah, yeah. off ball. So so they have Corey Littleton still with the team? Yes, Corey Littleton is the starter. Um, he was a big money free agent last year, uh, but was pretty disappointing last year as far as uh, a playmaker and didn't live up to his contract. Um, and he was one of those guys that um, I think may, may have been boggled down by the scheme. Uh, so he'll be playing in a much simpler system now, and hopefully that allows his athleticism to shine. Uh, next to him will be, um, I believe, it was supposed to be Nick Morrow, but uh, Nick Kwiatkowski is coming back from injury as well, and I believe he he, he would be the starter next to him. Uh, he, he was a big money free agent um, last year too, and he, he played pretty decent. Uh, but we'll see where he's at um, coming back from injury. He just did not um, play a lot in, in the uh, off season. What are, what are the the three guys who can potentially be there? Kwiatkowski and, and Morrow and uh, Littleton. What do they offer in pass coverage? Do they, do they know what's going on behind them in terms of routes? Because against the Ravens, of course, a lot of tight end play action, uh, finding spots between level two and level three, particularly in first down, I think is going to be an emphasis this year. Uh, is that something these linebackers are especially adept at handling? Yeah, I, I think Littleton um, is one of the better coverage linebackers in the league. He's just really athletic, um, really fluid in his movements. Um, Kwiatkowski, I think, what, you know, last year the um, the Raiders played a lot of man coverage as well, and I, you know, I don't think he's great in man, but uh, as far as being a zone dropper, I think he has good awareness of of routes and he knows where to drop. Um, so. You know, I think the scheme will fit him and Littleton uh, better. All right. Uh, and let's go to the back end then. A cornerback first, if you want. Yeah, so cornerback uh, Trayvon Mullen is coming into his third year. I think he's a really, really solid corner, borderline uh, potential star. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever reach that level, but I think he's, he's not going to be uh, a mismatch. I just think he does his job well. Um, and Casey Hayward was a star, um, but he's lost a step or two watching his film last year. But, um, you know, he, as far as route recognition and knowing the scheme and, um, just having that veteran savvy, I think, I think he's going to be good for this defense. Uh, he is replacing Damon Arnett, who was a first round draft pick last year. Uh, but Arnett played a ton of man coverage in, in Ohio state. 
and uh, he, he battled some injuries last year. Uh, so I think that the Raiders are just more comfortable with Hayward starting. Um, and at free safety, uh, you have a, a, a rookie, Trayvon Morig from TCU. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, yeah, yeah. He was my number one uh, rate of safety, and the Raiders were able to get him in the second round because um, there was some injuries over his, I mean, some concern over his, his back. But he's been, um, he's been totally healthy in training camp. And uh, he, I think he's going to be a real star eventually. Um, but there will be a bit of transition because he's played so much um, quarters and too high at TCU. And now he's going to be a single high safety. But I, I do believe a lot of his traits translate uh, well to a single high safety. So, so I, I, I like him a lot over there. And so uh, I'm sorry. I want to oh, ask a question about Merrick if uh-huh. I can. Does he anticipate the football well? Now, this is the, the reason I say this. There's two, two traits I want in my single high safety. The one is that he, that he is instinctually good and, and plays his read like a good poker player. But number two, and this is really important, is that he doesn't crowd the receiver as much when he's stalking for interception. So I want him not to necessarily go for the hit, but to leave some, leave some yardage between him and the, uh, and the back end of the bracket against the, against the uh, receiver to try and be ready to, to have picks. Merrick had, I thought, a pretty good record of that at TCU. Oh yeah. And that was, that was one of the things I loved about watching his film was his, his ball skills and the, uh, I think instinctually taking angles towards passes and towards the run. I thought it was, you know, I gave him really high marks on that. And, and those are t- um, two of the top traits I look for in safeties as well, uh, which is why I like Morig so much. I think the only question uh, with Morig was his range because, you know, he did not play single high in college. So you didn't see him breaking on those, um, you know, fade balls from the middle of the field. Um, like you would see if a, if a guy was playing a little more single high, he was playing more uh, too high, playing a lot of man coverage on um, on number two, you know, number two guys like tight ends or slot receivers. Um, so you didn't see that like long range, but I, I think he he does have it. He just has to show it on the field. But I like you know, like we said, I love the angles he takes. I love his ball skills. Maybe explain to the to the folks here because we like to have one technical point we talk about like this every show, but. Um, single high safeties almost have to be to me like hockey, not hockey. That's the wrong sport. Soccer goaltenders defending penalty kicks when they're going outside the numbers to try and bracket a route there. And it's talk about that a little bit in terms of what you see and what you look for on tape. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a single high safety, you know, you you want, you want to find guys that could just stick their foot in the ground and break um, to the sideline because, you know, you're not technically in charge of the whole back of the field, but you kind of are at the same time, you know, you, you're in the middle of the field. If there's two fade routes, then you're going to have to break, you know, break from the middle of the field and get all the way to the sideline to um, help on one of them. Um, and as far as middle of the field safety, you have to be a really good open field tackler too, because if a run breaks up the middle, uh, you're the last line defense. You have to make that tackle. Um, so yeah, you, you, you have to be able to, to uh, cover a lot of grass as a, as a middle of field safety, whereas a guy that plays split field doesn't have as much grass to cover because he's playing a half of the field rather than um, the, the, the you know, potentially the whole field. Okay. And Earl, right. Earl Thomas obviously is that prototype, that you know, but it's very hard to find an Earl Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to get rid of him, too. Unfortunately, we haven't had the greatest Earl Thomas experience. Let's go back to Damon Arnett for a second, because uh, I wanted to talk about him. He's the third corner now, or is he really buried a little bit lower on the depth chart now for, for uh, Las Vegas? Uh, he, he's the third corner. I think that ever since uh, he was benched, he's, he's, been, he's been doing better. And I thought he had a, actually a pretty good, uh, pretty strong preseason, but not enough to uh, supplant uh, Casey Hayward. So he, he's a third corner. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a shot at some point during the season. Okay. And he's number three on the outside, as opposed to a guy that we'd expect to see in a yeah. nickel if anything happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Terrific stuff here. Uh, let's see. I got to ask you about speed and, and how they handle it. I'm not sure it's the factor. It was <laughs> about two weeks ago for the Ravens, but uh, they certainly have had their problems now with running back speed. I, I, I don't know exactly how they're going to try and address it. Still do have a lot of speed at receiver. Uh, and of course, Jackson, how do you expect the, the uh, Raiders to try and defend that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the Raiders will have a problem with speed. Um, you know, I think they'll have a problem with uh, the physicality of, of the Ravens. They don't have a ton of 
uh, defensive linemen that are built to kind of handle um, a, a physical, physical running game. Corey Littleton's a smaller linebacker too. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It, the, the, I think the Raiders defense looked a lot faster in the preseason. I think they added speed in, in the preseason. So um, I, I don't think speed, speed is going to be a problem. All right. Uh, maybe tell us about one player who you think matches up well against the Ravens. Could be offense or defense or one of each if you like. Hmm. One player that matches up well. I mean, you know, we, we talked about him, but Darren Waller to me is uh, is the guy. You know, you talked about uh, the Ravens, Ravens having problems matching up with those type of players. And um, yeah, Waller's going to be difficult to handle. Okay. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. Uh, let's thank you so much for coming on. First of all, Ted, really appreciate you making the time. Ted's a very busy schedule here, but tell us, tell people where they can find your work. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. Uh, I'm on a Raiders podcast for the athletic state of the nation, and you can read my work at the athletic. Highly, highly recommended follow folks. So make sure when you, when you're trying to get those follows for every single NFL team, make sure Ted's one of yours. Uh, filmstudybaltimore.com is, is where this will be. If you want to be on a film study short, send me a DM on Twitter. We'll talk about it. Uh, Ted, can't thank you enough for spending time with us. This is a fantastic description of, of the Raiders scheme and personnel coming into this game. And I know people are going to love it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, thanks for the great questions. This was a really, um, you know, more complex, uh, podcast and that I've been a part of than, um, other ones where the questions are a little more, um, more digestible i guess by mainstream media (laughs) (laughs) okay we appreciate you doing it ted and we'll talk to you next time on film study this is the story of the one As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done.